Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And you are listening to episode 196 of Sitcom Geeks. And today we are going to be thinking about one of our great loves. In a way, it's kind of why we're doing this whole thing, I think, in, in you know, to begin with. Audience studio sitcom. And um, should you write an audience studio sitcom is the question that we're asking. And uh, longtime sitcom geeks follower Dave from London, uh, from Crouch End, I think. Correct. Writes, yes. <laughs> I'm currently writing something I'm hoping that will be an audience sitcom. Still not sure if it's an audience sitcom enough. Um, what should I do? Well, there's no point in me asking you that, Dave, because you're the one who asked that question. Gosh, that's uh, a twist. It was me all along. <laughs> it was him all along. Um, comedy reveal. Yeah. So, you know, you've got some, you've already had some sort of, you know, you've talked yourself in and out of it. So, mm. you know, why, why would you continue down this road? Yeah. Uh, given, you know, that there aren't many of them about. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a kind of, you know, there, there are, there are the, the various arguments for, against and whatever. I'll, I'll start with the, the, the four arguments. Um, the first one is that uh, commissioners still seem to be saying, well, they are saying, uh, yes, we do want audience sitcoms. Please send us your audience sitcoms. They say that. They always say that. Um, and, um, you know, and, this, and then they always say, I know we haven't made any for 30 years or whatever. Or they don't quite say that, but we, we, we sort mm. of mention that. They say, no, 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 you know, it, it is, we, we, we really do want them. And, you know, to be fair to uh, ITV, they made an audience sitcom uh, a couple of years ago. And um, it's... Um, you know, they hadn't made one for years and years and years. BBC One still has audience sitcoms, so th- so they are they still want them. Um, yeah. So if commissioners say they want something, um, you know, I mean, yes, write write what you want to write, of course, but then yeah. you know, you're mad not to kind of at least give some thought to when a commissioner says that and I think you know if you're a commissioner yeah. or if you're just even much lower down the chain and somebody hands you a script and it's and they say uh this is a script for an audience sitcom that's going to be the first audience sitcom um that you've that you've read you know in yonks and yonks so you will at least go ah right okay i'm i'm not this isn't up against the 30 other scripts that i've already read this week that are set in um a village in Middle England, or a pub in North London, or you know, whatever yeah. the wherever the current, you know, a kind of hip uh, startup place in Shoreditch or yeah. whatever. It's a oh, it's actually and uh, it's set in two or three rooms, and it's got audience laughter on it. And uh, well, I mean, you know, that might Hopefully. not be a big pro, but so you know, they don't get that many. Is is the second reason then? And then the the, yeah. the other thing to say is they are still massively popular. Um, whatever you think about Mrs. Brown's Boys, it still gets the best viewing numbers of any comedy show when it's on a new episode. Yeah. And you know, BBC Two invariably the number. I think it's I think it's last of the summer wine at the moment, but for years it was Dad's Army. You know, yeah. the, the the most popular comedy show on BBC Two, whatever's showing, and whether it's a new Steve Coogan mm. show or a Alan Davis sitcom or something, you know, it's still Dad's Army and Last of the Summer Wine that, that, that get the audiences. Uh, 
Channel 4 every morning, they're showing Friends, Frasier, Father Ted, you know, these are all, they're, they're not just showing them just to use up the time space, they'd show something else more popular if there was something, so, yeah, you know, that's... Yeah, it's really important to, to, to own that and know that people still like those shows and they still watch them now and it's not entirely... They're not watching them because they remind them of their childhood. They're watching them in vast numbers because they're still funny. And so that plus Big Bang Theory and a whole load of other, you know, How I Met Your Mother, um, you know, the, the whole genre of, of studio sitcom is still very much um, a contemporary one. Hmm. And I think, you know, I think that your reasons to, to persevere with it, I think, are extremely good because they do still want them. I would say it's still mainly... Um, uh, mainstream uh, channels. So BBC One is, is I would say, five times more likely to commission one than BBC Two or BBC Three or um, BBC Four doesn't do any more comedy anymore. But um, and that would be the. I don't know what ITV would do. Um, but you, you get the sense that Channel Four aren't terribly interested in studio sitcoms. Well, and apparently Sky aren't either. But hmm. if you come with the right project, um, you know, if if Miranda decided she wanted to do a whole different sitcom. Uh, studio sitcom and they took it to sky what, what what do you think sky would say it's like well yeah sure yeah. you know of course they would um so it very much depends on the product and what's involved doesn't it yeah i mean she's leaving now fiona mcdermott um head of channel 4 comedy but she was one of the people that i was at in a virtual meeting with and asked are you still interested in audience sitcoms and she said yes channel 4 are still interested in audience sitcoms you know a lot a lot can change in a year with a new commissioner and whatever and and if channel 4 even still exists a year from now who knows but but at the current stated moment channel 4 saying yes we, we want them and and hardly surprising they've yeah. got so much you know they get so many so much audience and presumably advertising via friends yeah. and frasier and father ted they get they get more viewing figures mm. they do better people at home prefer them they, you know, historically, this has been the case for decades, is that single camera shows tend to not get such good ratings as studio sitcoms. And I don't fully understand why that is, but I, th I think it's people at home enjoy the sound of human laughter um, rather than despise it. But let's be honest, if Channel 4 were offered a, a star vehicle for Matt Lucas, who's done really well coming back onto the um, Bake Off, for example, they'd really think about it. You know, um, this wouldn't be if if Matt Berry said, "I'm going to do a studio sitcom." Hmm. You know, then they would they go, "Oh, okay, mate." You know, we'll we'll, we'll look at it. <laughs> so, I I don't think it's and if you know Matt Berry and you've got a great vehicle for him or you know, or, so I just think it's not the genre or the format necessarily that that's gone. It's just it just has to have a really good reason to not be. Uh, one of the one of the regular kind of single camera shows but you're absolutely right that if you've written something that is obviously a studio sitcom it goes on to a separate much shorter pile um and i think will you know uh possibly be read and taken more seriously but uh but yeah it's not it's not a magic wand by any means so should we go uh, we'll go on to the uh, reasons to not write it 
now, shall we? Yes. So, yeah. so you, Dave, you've sold it to me. Great. Uh, I'm writing. In fact, I've actually got one at the moment that I am developing. Hold your um, horses, James. But so, hang on. I was, I was just about to start the rewrite now. Why? What, what, why should I stop? Um, I just thought, hold your horses, James. That sounds like a good audience sitcom title there. Um, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> um, Home, James, and yeah. don't spare the horses. Yeah. In fact, that was that a was, um, um, Jim Davidson, in... wasn't it? Yeah. Well, no, that was up the elephant around the castle. I think Home um, James was one. He did a follow-up to that. Oh, he did. Yes, you're right. Like a chauffeur, where he was yeah. um, a, li- a limo driver or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, why uh, shouldn't you write them? Okay, so um, they are incredibly high-risk uh, shows. So, um, um, commissioners may well say they do want to write them, but uh, you know, and they may even look at scripts from me and James, or James and I even, um, mm. because they they have at least heard of us and they might just see a name and think, well, I don't know that person. Unless I've even heard of the writer, I'm not even going to think about it. So there is that that element. Uh, yeah. And um, <clears throat> it is true. You would you would need to have a, a, a production company batting very much on your behalf or, and uh, you know... Um, and or, or you would want Matt Berry or Matt Lucas or anyone... Yeah, or, or Sarah Millican or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You would want a thinking, central yeah. performer with with a following and much, you know, a bit of a national treasure already. Yeah. So you do need... So so, so those are things uh, to, to think about. Um, yeah. So just from the commissioner's point of view, from your own point of view as a writer, and I, I think, James, you'd probably agree with me here in terms of they are probably the hardest, the, the hardest things in comedy writing uh, to write, would you say? I mean, say compared to... Well, of course I would. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've done I've done episodes of My Hero, My Family, Citizen Khan. Um, and for the radio, I've done plenty of studio sitcom Hut 33, Think the Unthinkable. So I've written an awful lot of it. So, of course, uh, of course, I would say, wow, what I've done is way harder than whatever else has done. I, th- I think what you're getting at, and it made me, th- you made me think of this with your first point under the uh, arguments against was the studio sitcom, when it's good, it's very, very good. And when it's bad, it's horrid. And so, therefore, I think, you know, it is really hard to get right. And there is a little bit of magic dust on top of the high level of, of skill that you would need to carry it off. And you've got to have an awful lot of jokes that will make a studio audience laugh out loud, you know, several times. Per minute. Um, yeah, per minute. You know, you, you can't, you know, your joke rate needs to be pretty high. Mm. Um, so it's it's brutal. And for me, that's why I like it is because it gives you the discipline of going, is this going to make someone laugh? Um, and we applied that to Bluestone 4-2, which was a single camera show because you'd struggle to film an Afghanistan bomb disposal team uh, in a studio. But we tried to have a studio discipline about what we were writing. But but yeah, I, I think I think it is really, really hard to write. To, to take up your point there about, you know, when it's good, it's very good. And when it's bad, it's bad as opposed to a non-audience uh, sitcom, which is when it's good, it's very, very good. Uh, when it's bad, yes, it might well be very bad, but nobody really 
cares much but but yeah. it only takes one thing to be slightly off kilter for an audience sitcom and yeah. uh you know and 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 interestingly i'm thinking about the the the, the people we've uh, interviewed and uh, as you as you know regular listeners will know we do like to talk to massively successful writers about their flops and yeah. uh Danny Peake talking about Big Top and Stephen Moffat talking about Chalk uh Graham Linhan talking about Paris slight, probably to a lesser extent but, but but certainly Stephen and and Danny their experiences of writing shows that did not succeed um the shows didn't just not succeed they were vilified and you know yeah. they, these guys were were hated more than Vladimir Putin, you know, for yeah, yeah. daring to write a sitcom that an audience yeah. in a studio is laughing at, but I'm sitting here with my arms folded in the living room thinking, what are these bloody idiots? Or, or, or thinking, oh, they've added a laughter track, which, of course, they haven't. Yeah, yeah. I won't go down that and route. Yeah, if the law would allow, they would happily put them in stocks in front of Broadcasting House mm. um, in order to have things thrown at them. Yeah. I think that's partly a British thing. I think we really do. We because we love them so much, and we still watch the old ones. Hmm. When somebody comes along with one that isn't what we wanted, it's it's infuriating and enraging, yeah. rather than just sad. And I think going back to what you were saying, you know, when a when a sitcom is good, it's very very good. When it's bad, it's horrid. I would say when a single camera show is good, it's pretty good. But when it's bad, it's just boring, yeah. um, isn't it? It's just like you sort of wonder why you're watching it, but you're probably not curled up in a ball thinking, yeah. please make it stop. It's like all, um, yeah, it, it looks like all the other things that you've watched on telly that are a bit mediocre, like some documentary or a, or a yeah. drama or, or yeah, something. Yeah, a continuing you know. drama that's yeah. sort of, you know, that's not, not particularly uh, innovative or, yeah. um, you know, or sort of a bit soapy or something. Mm. So, yeah, I, th- I think... But so, but I think in a way, it's the, the the studio sitcom gives you the higher highs and the lower lows, doesn't it? Yeah, I think also in terms of being a writer, and and I think there's a a lot of things that we don't write so much now that that you know new writers used to do, up and coming writers used to do. Maybe they maybe it will happen more if there's more sketch groups and people are writing more for live kind of sketch things but the kind of skills that you need like to have a like a, a, a elaborate um visual gags that ca- that can be done live you know i mean there's a lot of shows that do sort of you know the kind of visuals that that take a you know very 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 technical and and but you know to actually have good live visual gags is, is, is quite hard um and um and also you know kind of being broad you have to be you to get those big laughs you do have to be a, a kind of broader we'll, we'll 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 talk a little bit more about that in a minute but 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 yeah that the the skills that you need i think to write audience sitcom are not you're not using them as much in your kind of everyday yeah. writing you know if you're writing topical jokes or something one-liners that are getting you noticed you know they're ra- they rarely are kind of character yeah. or visual sort of jokes so so those are good reasons, I think, to to not. Uh, well, yeah, and, and just to add to it, and I see you've written it here in the notes, and this, so this is your point rather than mine. Um, you know, big big stars will get your show on, but are you going to get a big star to be in your sitcom? Why? Why would they do that? 
Yeah. You know, why would they want? So why wouldn't? So you know, I, I, maybe I said earlier, if you got Michael McIntyre to be in your sitcom, then great. It would feel like he would have to co-write it. But why would he do that? <laughs> yeah. You know, he he can he can, if he can fill Wembley Arena or the O2, and you know, have his nice game show uh, on the telly and all that kind of stuff, then then what's in it for him? You, you've got to really want to do it. Yeah, to which I would say, if seriously, if you're in a position to talk to these people, because that, that is what they say, and you say to them, well, you know, look at Lee Mack. Lee Mack doesn't have to do audience sitcom. He can just... He, yeah. he gets all the exposure he needs and all the kind of publicity and everything that he needs from... 12 nights a year of just turning up and doing would I lie to you with an absolute minimum amount of work and I know you know from writing or not going out the amount of work that goes into that and compared with what he with the 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 reward in terms of remuneration or whatever but he's doing it because he just loves the form and he wants to keep that form alive and you know that's a if if you're anywhere in comedy if you're a big name in comedy surely that's got to be a a a very noble uh thing to do i mean it's you know Mm. certainly Lee doesn't need you know his life would be a lot simpler if he didn't do not going out and it wouldn't yeah. materially it wouldn't change at all yeah but otherwise you know if if you can imagine someone some famous british movie star um you know wouldn't it be great if this person was was in that show if paul bettany i mean he'd be amazing in a, a british sitcom wouldn't he paul bettany he is one of our great british actors you know hey do you want to be in a sitcom paul you know no well he's isn't why? he the guy in uh, wonder vision um i think he is is he? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's him. like a Disney Plus. That's not. That's not a real studio sitcom. No, is it? but you it's know, interesting. It's uh, yeah. Those the scenes that they do that are sitcom scenes are. Yeah. You know, you they, they would not look out of place in a sitcom. Yeah. Know, so, but uh, it's but it's entirely an artifice, and it's you know it's 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 a different. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not it's not a studio sitcom. It's not like being in a BBC One half hour show where he plays a long suffering dad. Yeah. Um, you know, or or, or, or you know, mm. the worst boss in the world or something. So Yeah. Um there's just there's just nothing in it for him. Where if it's, if it's a multi million pound, you know, experimental, strange Disney plus comedy that you think is going to be one thing and turns out to be another thing, well that's yeah. you know that that's different. Um so um So we're kind so of yes, so I'm kind of on balance now. I'm still I'm still reasonably confident to kind of go ahead and pitch this as an audience sitcom. Okay. Um, but um, so let's talk a little bit about what what in 2022, as opposed to 1972, what makes a successful audience uh, sitcom. So I mean, I'll start by asking you that, James, having yeah. written. Uh, on one of the most successful sitcoms of the last uh, 15 years, obviously, uh, Miranda. So what made, obviously hindsight, but, you know, what made Miranda such a hit? Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm going to say credit needs to go not only to Miranda, but to Joe Sargent and people who fought to get the show on BBC Two, commissioned at 8.30. I mean, there's it, it was an amazing desire to get that show on um but bear in mind that she'd already been in two series of hyperdrive mm-hmm. by andy riley and kevin cecil and had been very funny in not going out uh, for a series or two as a cleaning lady 
um, who kind of had lots and lots of jokes. Four series, actually, I think. Yeah, oh, okay, is that right? Well, you know, she was a big, she was a big part of that of that show. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's a really, uh, yeah. So it, it needs a producer to really believe in it for a start, because you as the writer can't can't do that. You do need someone in your corner, a producer, an exec producer. Again, Mrs. Brown, uh, that had a producer, Stephen McCrum, who totally believed in it, who thought the whole thing was completely deranged and was prepared to take an enormous risk because he had a lot of he had a lot of credit in the bank because he'd also done two pints of lager and a packet of crisps, which was a huge tentpole show for BBC Three for an entire channel. Um, and so therefore, he, you know, and, and he's a profoundly... You know, he is not risk averse, um, is that man. And so therefore he just thought, what the heck? So he went all in on it. Um, and as you, you know, we were, he was developing it as we were writing Bluestone and he was describing Mrs. Brown to us. We were just thinking, what is this? You know, this could really, this sounds like it's going to fall on its face, but it didn't. So I think on one level, you do need someone who's going to fight for it and get it on. Um, so that really helps. Um, I would still ask in 2022 about Mrs. Brown's boys. What is this? What is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who knows? I'll tell you, what, tell you what it is or what a lot of people would say. What is this? It's funny. Hmm. Um, but it had a producer prepared to get it on. Now, the other thing, you know, um, so Upstart Crow is a BBC Two studio sitcom. How did that get on? despite being a historical show, and we tend to tell people don't even bother trying to write a historical show, in order to get a studio historical show on mainstream television onto BBC Two, it took not only the co-writer of Blackadder, Ben Elton, I would argue it also took a Shakespeare anniversary. So that show was commissioned for, I think, the 400th anniversary of the death of Shakespeare. Right. And then it was just like, oh, we could do another series of this. But without that anniversary, yeah. I genuinely don't think that BBC Two would have done it. That's a that's a that's a really good point, actually. Um, I mean, to get just to mention not going out there, I think I've sort of answered the question about you know why how that managed to come about, and that and and that really was you know Lee Lee was a, a, a big enough name, and Avalon were big enough as well to to sort of push with it, but he was you know he he wanted to have a mainstream audience he wanted he wanted to be a kind of uh the, so he, he wanted like an everyone loves raymond and he wanted to yeah. be raymond you know he wanted to be that character um yeah. obviously it moved on a lot from that but it but it was it is essence of lee it's it's the lee mack show starring lee yeah. mack you know and uh it's 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 like 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 in the seventies, you know, the big variety shows, the Morgan and Wise show, you know, it, it it's 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 not a sitcom like um, yeah. know, uh, Heidi High or whatever, but it's so so there was that reason, and also it was quite good, um, by which I mean there was another show that could have been not going out, which was the Frank Skinner sitcom, uh, Shane, I think it was called. Oh yeah, 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 and. Uh, it was another, you know, who, who could be more famous as a comedian than Frank Skinner? But he really wanted to do a sitcom and it just didn't work because it just wasn't yeah. wasn't quite set up right, wasn't that good. So, you, you know, you do need that script 
as well to get it over the line. Yeah. Um, and it's only really Frank Skinner who could have gotten that show on. Yeah. I think that was sort of that. The, they were the dying days of ITV doing probably more studio sitcom than yeah. before. But having someone in your corner, I think. I'd sort of forgotten about that. That is a much neglected thing because yeah. even I managed to get nearly get a studio sitcom on ITV, even you know, and we realised ITV was still just not going to do one. But it was Avalon that did it. And go back and listen to our episode with Jimmy Mulville, which is only a few episodes ago. If you can convince him that your studio sitcom needs to be on TV, he's he'll fight for it. You know, he will do all kinds of things to get that show on TV. You know, just listen to that interview and you'll discover um, what a powerful ally, as well as what a ferocious and fearsome enemy uh, Jimmy Mulville would be. So I think, you know, you, you do need to convince someone to, to go into bat for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm making the same point again. But I think in this episode, I'm realising quite how important that is. Yeah. Um, and um, also, in um, we've we've got an episode coming up with um, uh, Danny Stack and Tim Clark, in which they talk about you know keeping ne- networking and keeping up with producers yeah. and things. Um, just another thing to say about uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys and Upstart Crow um, is that what they are also one of the reasons I think they're successful, and one of the reasons why I'm kind of persevering with mine is because. The shows are they are they are theatrical experiences. The show the show is a, a theatrical experience. By which I mean, you know, Mrs. Brown's Boys is not trying to be like Two Point Four Children or My Family or something. You know, it's a family sitcom, but it's not. It's a pantomime, really. It, mm. it, it's and that that's and and it's it, it's unashamedly that. And you know, good good luck to it. It's a live it's a live show, and that that it it um it has a story, you know, and it has jokes and whatever. But it's it's not, you know, it it, it it's set up. It's like you you're. It's like you've gone to the theatre to watch it. And then yeah. similarly with with Upstart Crow, you know, it is it's like going to see Shakespeare, uh, only kind of updated, you know, and David Mitchell and, 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 and all, all those yeah, other... Yeah, it's like going to see Shakespeare and Blackadder. Yeah. And, the, and it's none the worse for it. No, exactly. But it's... So the point is, though, it's a kind of... It, it gets over the artificiality. I think what, what has put people off in the last sort of 10, 20 years is that they're so used to, we're so used to like The Office and Peep Show and, and the American shows, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec and stuff, that that we've lost our ability to kind of get past the artificiality of audience uh, sitcom. And, and the, the, one of the ways around that is, well, this is an artificial thing. It's a pantomime. It's a Shakespeare play. Uh, and again, I mentioned One Division. One Division, where it is uh, an audience sitcom, which it is quite a lot in the in the first two or three episodes. Um, you know, it's 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 part of it, it's it's part of the artifice is built into it. So um, that's. That is definitely something to think about. I think I think the days maybe of being able to kind of come up with a an, a, um, an audience sitcom like something like say Frasier, which is sort of very heavily you know character character and story based, without having some extra kind of artificial thing. Well, even then, it was a sort of it's a, it's a, a radio show. I think if you did Frasier now, it would be. The Frasier radio show, almost with yeah. you know, um, with 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 cutaways to you know backstage or whatever. So, um, and, and even that was bear in mind 
that was a show launched off the back of sick uh, of Cheers. Yeah, true. You know, one of the most successful mm. sitcoms of all time. So, you know, it's again that that they cheated. Yeah. Um, and and basically, my advice therefore is, for heaven's sake, cheat. Yeah. Um, and we mentioned you mentioned there Shane, the Frank Skinner uh, sitcom that didn't succeed for, for, for whatever reasons uh and there was that one that um was sort of averagely successful the one that ian and james did after my family with uh, nicholas lindhurst what can you remember oh uh, yes um after you've gone oh uh, yeah and about the um samantha janus was it moving back in or am i thinking oh of, no no sorry after one. you've gone was nicholas lindhurst the one you're thinking of was uh called something else home again yeah I think it was called. yeah and that yeah. sort of kind of didn't uh, I don't know that. that I, I, th- I think partly um, that that possibly felt like it was, you know, it was too much like a normal sitcom. It, it, the, the, yeah. the transition was happening at that point to the kind of artificial people were not so kind of taken by that artificial kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I, also they had that show because James and Ian had worked on My Family yeah. and had run that for a few series. And then, given that the BBC BBC One still had My Family, why why did they want another show that was hmm. a family based studio sitcom? It may be that it just felt like it was something that they already had, and the you know you could either have series eight of an established show with Robert Lindsay and Zoe Wanamaker, hmm. or you could have a second series of Home Again, um, hmm. or you which, can have both. You can hand over My yeah. Family to someone else and take your successful proven writers and give them another show which is how it yeah. sort of used to work <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. Oh, they've had a success here try something else um which is kind of not necessarily the case nowadays um but to think thinking about other recent shows uh and, and the most recent one i'm thinking of is the uh andy hamilton and guy jenkin uh sitcom kate and uh, koji the itv uh-huh. yeah. sitcom that, that has run for a couple of series i think and I don't think it's coming back. But right. I think part of the problem with that was, again, it was just, it's a sitcom and it's set in a cafe. Uh, Brenda Blethyn is a is a big name, but she's not a sort of, you know, she's not an O2 uh, filler. Um, yeah, and she wasn't in Love Island. No. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, so, you know, big name character actors, maybe, you know, they don't have quite that sort of star... Uh, attraction in the way you know Miranda and uh, and Lee Mackwood so so yeah so I think the audience sitcom that tries to be something that is and, and actually even thinking about you know the great Perry and Croft and and yeah. um, and Lloyd um, sitcoms you know in the 70s and they, they were you know one set in a, a holiday camp one's set uh, in the home guard you know there there's there's a, there's an artifice to those shows yeah. as well, even are you being served? I says, you know, in a sense, is a kind of the department store is the sort of is is one of the stars of that that show, isn't it? Yes, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. I remember hello, like, hello, um, you know, yeah, yeah. They they all feel more like a a night out at a play rather than uh, you know a studio sitcom with you know with a family. It feels like most studio sitcoms should be family sitcoms and the idea of a workplace sitcom or something can't can't be but as you say also upstart crow kind of transports you somewhere else in a way that where the artifice doesn't seem to matter so much so again maybe you know trying to get a studio sitcom 
that's set today in a regular house with a regular family or even an irregular family, but in a regular house. And, it, you know, and the BBC have got one, Jim Howick's in it, written by Tom Basden. Mm. Um, and that's a, stu- that's, that's a single camera show. Yeah. Um, and if you said, you know, do you want to do that in the front of a studio? They'd say, well, well why would you do that? Because um, you're also then limiting the scope of where they can go and uh, and what they can do. So, um, yeah, it's it, it it is tricky. I think you, you you need a really good reason why it's got to be set in a studio. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, it's just going to be it's just going to feel old fashioned. Yeah. Um, and it can feel old fashioned as long as it's old fashioned plus something else. Yeah. Or it's so old fashioned you can't quite believe it. Yeah. Know? as in mrs brown's boys so yeah so yeah so if you are going to write an audience sitcom and so you know i i i i would consider it you know i would think about it just as we say if only for the numbers thing so you do you do kind of need a very big idea i think beyond yeah oh uh, well it's a family sitcom plus you know like you say the the um the Tom Basden one um you know it's a family sitcom that's a mockumentary <clears throat> um yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I would, for instance, say I don't know something like that. That um, that Witchfinder one, which 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 didn't really do it for me. Um, but I sort of almost could imagine that as an audience sitcom. It could almost be a sort of Blackadder type thing. Um, but it's kind of too much. They, you know, they enjoy the aesthetic of the filmmaking too much. I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a problem, and I, I think that's a maybe another good reason to to like audience sitcom is because, you know, we don't really care about you know filming and yeah. how beautifully filmed it is. I want to laugh really. Um, yeah, yeah, and lots of scripts we read and have read do forget that they yeah. are very much. What, what shot we're looking at they're very much yeah we, we we open on this we go here we look at that we see this we do that and it's like this is a this is this is a wannabe cinematographer yeah or there's loads of action description we mentioned this in a previous podcast it's like oh you this person should write a novel mm. um so um yeah and uh, another thing uh so to think about you know when you're writing a sitcom we always say well you know sitcom they're either about a, a, a single monster larger than life character or they're about sort of mismatched couples and actually sort of thinking about it a little bit so i'm um, thinking about say miranda for instance yes of course miranda is a larger than life character but actually characters two and three are both larger than life as well aren't they really stevie yeah. and the mum you know they're both yeah. also i mean mum is a monster you know absolute monster and, yeah yeah and um and they're, they're larger than life in 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 their characters but also they're both played by small actors and again this is something that, that you can really play well in, in an audience sitcom you know you've got miranda who is whatever she is six foot one or something i think and then <clears throat> patricia hodge and sarah hadland who you know probably about five foot three five foot four and you've already you've just already yeah. got you know big you're looking for big contrasts yeah, yeah. and uh you know that's that that's stuff that you can uh you know you 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 have to find ways of doing that that are real and you know what yeah. what's what's a what better way can you do that than having one very big performer and two smaller yeah. ones you know that's already doing some of the work uh for you um as you mentioned as well james jokes 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 you really yeah. have to you really got to have those jokes 
um, and um, big plot twists really don't you you have to have kind of pretty big um, plot twists they still have to be character uh, yes kind of but I think in a way the twist what was brilliant about Miranda is Miranda was determined that the final scene and the big reveal should be played out in the studio in front of the audience in because it feels like if you've got six minutes of studio of of, of a outside shooting or whatever you allot yourself or whatever you can afford the temptation is to take it out of the studio and out into the place where you can really you know um let things really explode but actually it's so much better uh when it's in front of an audience because the audience they really buy into the characters and the situation and the story. So if you can do that massive reveal, if you can give them that huge victory, the, you know, the audience are going to cheer for them and they, they know, they know it's not real, but they still want the character to succeed. And, yeah. you know, they want the baddie to get their comeuppance and all that kind of stuff. So, so you, you want those big twists, but, but in a way the, the temptation then is to go, well, that therefore has to go outside the studio. no, no, that's not the case at all. The emotional stakes are super high as well. And so, you know, just make sure that it's every bit as emotional as, as anything else uh, that you would write. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. And actually, I think one of the things that I always, um, the, the, the sort of big introduction to me in, in uh, uh, of, of TV uh, sitcom writing, audience sitcom writing, was, was my family, was the first TV sitcom that I that I wrote for and seeing you know kind of being in the room when the show was recorded and then going home and watching it on telly three or four weeks later and not kind of wondering what didn't quite transfer which bit of magic that happened on the night and it's always really brilliant on the night what hadn't quite worked and I think and thinking about it now probably nine out of ten times it was that the big reveal was not uh, done in the studio. That's a really, uh, I hadn't, hadn't thought of that. That's a great, great point. Yeah. In fact, I mean, my family's rule was that there was no location shooting in my family at all. There's not a single location scene. No, but they, 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 they filmed, they pre-recorded uh, yeah. on the Wednesday. It was the pre-recorded stuff that they filmed yeah. on, the, on the, the day before. Yeah. Um, that, that was kind of um, what... Um, you know, sometimes yeah. the big final scene at the end was yeah. had been not actually been shot in front of the audience, although it was yeah. in the same studio. The the other, I guess, you know, the other bit of advice maybe therefore as well is that maybe you you need to do it as a stage show. Maybe you do need to do it at the Edinburgh Festival. Maybe you do need to do it at a local theatre. Maybe you do need to prove the concept. Uh, you know, because I think we're we're more mindful of the fact that. Um, things need to be based on existing things uh, to just to take the risk out of it. And TV controllers and commissioners, uh, you know, it's pretty high stakes and they want to establish a proof of concept. Now, they already know that Sarah Milligan's funny and probably three million people would turn up to watch her sitcom if she wanted to do one. But, um, you know, if you don't have that, then maybe you need to you know, show that this is because so, don't get Mrs. Brown's Boys was a live touring show. Um, and the, you know, the producer of the TV show went and saw it at the Glasgow Empire and realised that this is a huge hit uh, with a bunch of people. So in a way, it's like it, it, the risk had already been taken out of it, whether it would transfer to TV or not was obviously a, more of a mystery. But 
there was no doubt that people were finding this funny and it was a thing. I mean, there was even a movie based on Mrs. Mm. Brown before it was even on TV. Yeah. Um, Agnes Brown. Starring, starring a huge yeah. Hollywood actor. Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, isn't that, that's kind of incredible really, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so if you can sort of work out a way, I mean, a bit like, it's not a sitcom I know, but Vic and Bob's Big Night Out, hmm. you know, was born from a live comedy club where Vic Reeves would, would be on stage. And then Bob Mortimer was just a punter who used to show up and then heckle him and then slowly got more and more involved in the show. You know, you could contrive a scripted sitcom where it's an interaction with the audience, but it's kind of scripted, you know. Uh, there's loads of things that you could do, but it just depends on your idea, of course. So, yeah. but um, but it's just worth thinking: does your idea lend itself to that? But also, if you have an idea, what would the studio sitcom idea of that be, and how could you prove that it would work in front of an audience? Yeah, I think also, um, I mean, the last thing that I would say as well is, you know, when 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 you're writing it. And I think this does actually apply whether it's an audience sitcom or not, because I do read a lot of uh, sitcoms that are, you know, they're nicely written and everything, and they, they have a little nice nice characters and a interesting little plot thing. But actually, you kind of need to um, turn it up to 11, I think, to use the uh, spinal tap mm. phrase there. You kind of have to... Just, just exaggerate things a bit more. Don't, you know, don't go completely over the top, but just make everything a little bit broader, a little bit brighter. You know, kind of a bit, mm. bit, bit bigger contrasts there. Um, and um, I, that, that's that's advice I'd give to anyone who's looking, you know, looking at your script at the moment and thinking, how can I zing it up a bit more? You know, without even before I do a sort of big proper rewrite on it so and i think that's also you know you have yeah. to think about that f definitely for for live shows as well definitely so yeah. those so those are our hot tips dave are you going to do a studio sitcom you're going to keep writing it we shall carry on for now i feel right. more confident now being able i mean in a sense it'll probably be the whichever producer reads it and says if a producer says i love this idea I don't think it's an audience sitcom, then it's that's, it's not a hill that I'm going to die on. But I would like to present it uh, as an yeah. audience sitcom. We, we, we both, were, my co-writer and mm. I, would like to present it as an audience sitcom and, and see what people say. Um, but they might just yeah. say, maybe it's not. But yeah. at the moment, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it. I mean, it only takes place in... There's a, there are only two rooms in which it takes place. So at the moment, if it works fine, and it and it does have the artifice as well, it's got its own kind of ar yeah. artifice there, you know. Uh, so so yeah. we'll have to we'll um, see. see what people say. Well, we may yet change your mind yeah. because we're going to keep talking over on Patreon. So there's an extended version of this episode. And before we started recording, I asked some of our Patreons any more questions on writing studio sitcoms. And we've got a few of those. So we're going to deal with those now. So if you want to get in on that and listen to episodes we've already referred to that are coming up in the future that we've already recorded, then do join us on Patreon. If you Google Sitcom Geeks Patreon, uh, then you can get involved where you also get invited to a, um, a discord server as well as our uh, secret Facebook group um, and so you can be in touch with other writers um, and we can all have a bit of a whinge together um, but also help each other keep keep spirits up 
um, as well as sort of pointing each other and, and talk about what was on TV last night. And also pick up lots of really uh, useful information about resources. Not um, yeah. Know, James and I, we come, we we recommend things to you from time to time. But we've got about 100, 130 people in the Patreon yeah. group, and we get a lot of really useful uh, advice yeah. and think things that uh, books or shows and things people recommend that yeah. you know we don't. They always... even recommend other podcasts, which <laughs> is frankly incredible. I know. But, um, but they do. So anyway, um, thanks very much. Uh, if you want more, go on Patreon and there's a bit more. And in the meantime, thanks very much, Dave. Thank you, James. And we'll speak to you next time. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.